What up, family? Welcome to episode 103 of The Genius Life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another bonus COVID-19 themed episode of The Genius Life. You guys know that I put up episodes every single Wednesday, um, and those episodes are more sort of evergreen in their content, but I've been really making an effort to put up these bonus episodes every Monday so that you can start the week with topical relevant information as it pertains to COVID-19, the um, social distancing uh, mandates that we are all subjected to, the uh, social isolation, um, self-quarantining, and the like. Last week on Monday, I had an episode with Dr. Drew Ramsey, who is a psychiatrist, all about um, staying mentally healthy during this time. If you haven't yet listened to that, you should definitely go and check that out. And the week prior to that, I had Dr. Molly Malouf, who is a, an internal medicine physician, and we talked all about ways of supporting your immune system. Um, during this time. So this episode of the show is going to be another bonus COVID-19 themed episode. And on it, I welcome my very good friend, Sal Stefano, who is a uh, fitness expert, a uh, bona fide fitness expert. He's been a personal trainer for 20 years. He's one of the three fitness experts that make up Mind Pump Media. So if you are a fan of the Mind Pump podcast, uh, He's one of the one of the main guys over there, and I always have a blast talking to him because he's so smart, he's so practical and pragmatic in his advice. Um, but he's also he's a science nerd like me, so we go deep. And this episode is going to be all about how to keep up with your fitness goals while self quarantined. And Sal offers a ton of really great advice. We talk about ways of making your home workouts. Uh, more effective, which is super crucial because, you know, we don't have access to gyms these days. We talk about ways of not, uh, you know, gaining the COVID-15, gaining that extra fat because we all are spending a lot more time in the house, a lot more time in proximity to the kitchen. And look, I'm, you know, I'm just as guilty of eating when I'm bored uh, than anybody else. So, I mean, this is a, you know, I, I gained a lot personally from this um, chat as well. We talk about ways to uh, stay disciplined even when motivation is lacking, um, which I think is super, super, super important. And then at the end of the episode, we also each share our five favorite processed food um, COVID-19 shopping haul items. Um, so like, you know, the kinds of things that we each, uh, the non-negotiables that we each reach for when we make that once a week or once every other week trip to the supermarket. So this is going to be a great chat. Sal is, love the guy, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is Birch Benders. Birch Benders makes a line of really, really cool products. If you have not heard of them, um, I recommend checking them out. Uh, they make pancake and waffle mixes. And I know what you're thinking, Max, How you know? How, why are you promoting pancake and waffle mix? Well, they make keto and paleo pancake and waffle mixes that have really solid ingredients. And all you gotta do is add water, they're shelf stable. And for those times when you're craving pancakes or waffles, this is like the tastiest product that I've seen on the market. Um, I make them, uh, you know, pretty regularly with my brothers, we have like pancake parties, they'll come over and we'll make their keto, uh, their keto mix, which is great. Super clean ingredients, cassava, almond flour, coconut and eggs. That's it, no weird fillers, no weird fake fibers, no artificial sweeteners. Um, and, uh, 
and yeah, I'm a huge fan. So their 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 paleo and their keto pancake mixes. You could also use them to make waffles. They also make a toaster waffle product, which looks really tasty. I honestly I haven't tried it yet, but uh, but yeah, if you want to spice up your uh, your breakfast a little bit and deviate from the the fiber and the eggs and the you know the genius foods. Uh, Give Birchbenders a try. All you got to do is go to birchbenders.com. They've offered an exclusive discount for listeners of the Genius Life podcast. If you use promo code MAX, you'll save 20% off. Promo code MAX, 20% off. Anything at birchbenders.com, B-I-R-C-H-B-E-N-D-E-R-S.com. All super great stuff. Supportive of keto lifestyles, paleo lifestyles, uh, no sugar, um, very low in carbs and not going to make you feel crummy afterwards. So check them out. Birchbenders.com, promo code MAX, 20% off. We're just seconds away from my chat with Sal Stefano, who is, again, he's the man. Before we get to that, I want to give some love to DMD630, who is an iTunes user who left this very glowing review for the Genius Life podcast on iTunes. Um, DMD630 wrote, love this podcast. Gave us five stars. Thank you, Max, for making a podcast that everyday average people can understand. It is so easy to get overwhelmed by all of the health and wellness information out there. I love hearing your interviews with knowledgeable guests from a variety of backgrounds. I'm reading your first book now and just ordered the second. Thank you for keeping me informed during this crazy quarantine time in a way that feels like I am talking to a non-judgmental friend. Well, DMD630, I aim to please, and I really appreciate that you've taken time out of your uh, your day, you know. I mean, I, I know we have we all have a lot more free time on our hands these days, but um, nonetheless, I really appreciate the kind words. Um, leaving that rating and review for the show on iTunes really helps the show rise up the ranks. It helps us get noticed in the algorithm. It helps us rise up the um, the rankings on iTunes, which is how a lot of people discover new podcasts. So if you haven't yet taken the time to leave that uh, five-star, hopefully I've earned a five-star rating, um, or even a, a, a quick review for the show, um, please go ahead and do that. That would mean the world to me. And um, there are a number of other ways that you can connect m- with me if you really want to go deep and uh, embed yourself into this genius train. You can shoot me a text message to uh, 310-299-9401 if you live in the U.S. or Canada. And you can join my mailing list, my newsletter, at maxlugavir.com. You can opt out of either at any time. But really, my whole goal with uh, both my text message community and my newsletter mailing list is to add value to your life. And if you feel that I'm not doing that, you can send me some feedback at any time uh, as to how I can improve or you could just opt out. So thank you for trusting me and for being a part of my community. And um, yeah, we've got great things uh, in store for the Genius Life. And so I'm just super psyched that you are uh, with me for the ride. Now, without further ado, I'm pumped to get into this chat. All things uh, fitness and self-quarantining with Sal Stefano of Mind Pump. So let's rock it. Welcome back, Sal. You guys are like my resident fitness pros on the Genius Life. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. So wait, what were you saying? You had a, you had, you had like a, fi- a finance expert on your show recently? Economist Peter Schiff, um, who he's he's pretty well known um, in the in the industry. He's been on like Joe Rogan's podcast times and. He's on typically on news networks talking about, you know, he famously he made his bones by predicting with extreme accuracy uh, the 2008 um, housing market and financial crash. Uh, And so we had him on the podcast talking about what he thinks about the economic ramifications of everything that's going on right now with the trillions of dollars that the Fed printing and just, you know, throwing out of a helicopter and, 
you know, what do you think that's going to look like, how to protect yourself. So we had a whole just a whole podcast on the, you know, what the economics are going to look like and how to really protect yourself because we think that's important. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's definitely hard for a lot of people, but it's also an opportunity for some. Um, so, I mean, depending on where you are, where you happen to find yourself on that, you know, uh, on that spectrum, um, you know, this is like a different a different time. But yeah, overwhelmingly, it's a time where we're all finding ourselves spending a lot more time indoors and stuck in our homes. And uh, I've already on this podcast covered some of the psychological ramifications of that and the self-quarantining and um, and some of the more medical aspects. But I think, uh, yeah, I-, I wanted to have you guys on to do another bonus episode, bonus sort of topical COVID-19 related episode to discuss um, some of the at-home fitness things and nutrition things that we could be doing to make sure that uh, we're not gaining the COVID-15. Um, <laughs> and, I- and I say that kind of in jest, you know, there are obviously a lot um, more serious things to-, to-, to worry about, but certainly for many of us that have fitness goals in mind, like uh, this this time is presenting a whole new slew of challenges. And so you guys are the best of the best. Wanted to have you on to talk about it. Well, one of the, some of the benefits that people I think are less familiar uh, with when it, in regards to, you know, proper exercise are the, the mental and emotional um, benefits that it can uh, provide. I mean, studies are, have been done on, on exercise and, and show quite clearly that, Proper exercise can be at least as effective in many cases uh, as uh, and as SSRI drugs for treating low levels or maybe even moderate depression. Um, studies show that exercise, proper exercise, I want I always say proper by the way because exercise can be abused and can be applied improperly, in which case it, it loses its efficacy and sometimes actually causes more problems. So, if you work out right. Uh, studies also show that uh, exercise can be an effective treatment for anxiety. Um, and I have to imagine that right now, um, pr- probably both uh, potential low levels of depression and anxiety are probably at um, at some real high levels uh, for a lot of people. And it makes a lot of sense. I can feel it creeping up um, on myself. And then, of course, there's a, the well-known benefits of exercise, the physical health benefits, the strength the fat loss, the, the just the overall general health benefits of exercise. So one thing that I like to do or communicate on the show, on, on, on our podcast a lot, is to help people understand how to apply exercise based on the context of their life and their current circumstances. Okay, so I'll tell you a story. Um, for much time that I work out, especially in my early days of working out, m- my goals centered and revolved, revolved around you know, building muscle, improving performance, being lean. And I think that's a lot of people's main motivations for exercise. They want to look better. They want to be leaner, more muscular, um, and then maybe to a lesser degree, but still quite popular, improve performance, mobility, strength, that kind of stuff. And so that's what really motivated me for a long time. And I loved it. I loved working out. Um, anyhow, in my 30s, somebody very close to me, this was after years of working out, right? Somebody very close to me was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It was a very, very difficult time for me and my life and for the people around me. It was someone I had grown up with. It was like a second mother to me. And she went through a long, you know, year and a half uh, battle um, with uh, cancer. And during this period of time, I used exercise uh, very differently. 
I was not going to the gym to maximize strength, build muscle, and to burn body fat. I was going to the gym to make myself feel better and to maintain my health so that I could help uh, my family, so that I could support the people around me and so I could be there for her when she needed me. Um, so what did my workouts look like? Well, they looked a little different. You know, I would go to the gym and stressed out and maybe not getting as good a sleep because I'm worried about this person. So I would go and do a light, easy workout or I'd focus on stretching um, and mobility. Some days I would go on a long hike. My point with this is after doing this, I really started to see the true value of, uh, of exercise and fitness in the sense that I could manipulate this tool to always improve my health. That's the thing about fitness. If you use it right, it's always a tool to make you healthier, always. Okay, so if we look at the context of right now, what's going on, I would, I, I think it's it's safe to assume that the average person is probably at home more than, than they usually are, right? The average person is either working at home or, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people may be uh, unemployed at the moment. Kids are being educated at home. So people are just, they're just at home. We're encouraged not to be around a lot of people. Definitely can't go um, to the gym. So how can we use exercise in it, 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 most effectively in that context? Well, one thing that you can do, which I find extremely valuable uh, right now, is to take your normal workout time, which would be, you know, most people I would say average about an hour for a workout, right? They go spend about an hour at the gym or an hour exercising. Rather than dedicating a full hour at a time to exercise, take that 60-minute workout and divide it up into three 20-minute workouts. Hmm. Now, here's some of the benefits of that. Number one, it breaks your day up and gives you a little bit more of a schedule, okay? Uh, I learned this uh, tip from uh, people who I know. Actually, in fact, I, we had someone on our show who spent some time in prison and changed their life. It was this really uh, motivating story. Dubs is his name. And he talked about how creating a schedule in prison was one way that he really was able to get through the day. Having that schedule. When you talk to people, and this I asked this too for the first week of being stuck at home in quarantine, is the days started to melt together. I started to kind of lose track of, of, of what was going on. Um, well, having three scheduled workouts, which, which should equate to the same amount of time. So I'm not telling people to work out more than they're currently working out. I'm just saying take that workout and divide it up. What it does is it, it divides up into three segments. I wake up in the morning, I have a 20-minute fitness session, and then I do some other stuff or whatever, work and whatever. Then at lunchtime, I take 20-minute break and I do another the other third of my workout. Then maybe before dinner or maybe after dinner, before I you know uh, a couple hours before bed, I do the other 20-minute workout. And so it breaks up the day and it, it leads to a, a better feeling about your schedule. It also does this. When you exercise uh, and you do it properly, you you get a short-term boost in feel-good uh, chemicals and hormones. And men, we see a boost in testosterone, uh, in, in growth hormone. And women, you see growth hormone go up and you tend to see if you exercise properly, a balancing of estrogen and progesterone. And there's a short-term effect, by the way. So like they've done studies on men where they'll have them go do you know three sets of squats and then we'll see a short-term short-term boost in testosterone. Now we know long-term that also leads to balanced hormones, higher testosterone levels in men and, you know, higher levels of the happy, 
you know, neurotransmitters and chemicals in our, in our system. But there's also this short spike that you get. And, we, and you know, if you've ever had an appropriate good workout, you feel good afterwards. In fact, that's one of the hallmarks of a good workout. It's what, when, when people ask me, how do I know if I've had a good workout? You know, people, I think, tend to measure that by how sore they get or how hard it felt or how much they sweat. And what I always say to them is, a good workout, you should feel good afterwards. You should feel calm. You should feel energized. Not the wired energy that we get from drinking like a, a cup of coffee or a, a rock star or whatever. Yeah. But rather, a, a, a kind of a calm sense of focus and energy. You should feel that after your workout. And so you know if you've worked out right that that's what it feels like. You, you come home from the gym and you just feel really good. Okay. You can get that three times a day. And so now what you're doing is you're making yourself feel better throughout the day rather than doing just that one hour workout. Okay. So those are, those are the benefits of breaking up the workout into smaller chunks. But there are also just if, 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 if you don't need, if you need more motivation to try this, I'll give it to you right now. There are also fitness benefits to working out more frequently, even, uh, even though the, the total amount of volume is controlled for. Studies show that when people do two 30-minute sessions of cardio versus one one-hour session of cardio, that they burn more body fat and preserve more muscle. Hmm. Studies show that frequent exposure to resistance-type training, squats, push-ups, pull-ups, resistant band exercises, or your traditional you know, weights and machines, frequent exposure leads to faster and greater gains in strength, and when done properly, reduced risks of injury. Uh, uh, high-level strength athletes know this. Um, the Soviets, uh, when they dominated weightlifting for as long as they did, um, this was one of the things that they figured out. And, of course, when the Iron Curtain fell down, we learned from a lot of their techniques. And one thing that the weightlifters did, they practiced their exercise. Notice I used the word practice and not train. There's two differences there. They practiced their lifts very frequently, which leads me to another tip that you can do. When you work out like this and you're training frequently, and I recommend, especially right now, daily exercise with a lower level of intensity versus maybe when you go to the gym, you train with a higher level of intensity and you take time off in between. Right now, I think it's probably better to drop the intensity but work out more frequently. And again, what you notice are faster and better results when you do this. And the way you treat your exercise is more like practice and less like training. So what I mean by that is if I go into a workout with push-ups and I'm thinking of training my chest, I may be aiming for the burn, the fatigue, the pump, you know, sweat, intensity. If I'm training push-ups uh, but, but treating them as practice, now what I'm doing is I'm perfecting my form and getting really good at doing perfect push-ups. And when you combine that with the frequent workouts – and you do that on a daily basis, here's what you're going to notice. You're going to feel really good. You're going to be energized throughout the whole day. And especially if this is novel to you, especially if this is different, which it probably is. I don't know very many people that work out this way. If this is something new to you and your body, you may actually get better results at home with less equipment working out this way uh, than the way you did before. Now, we've been communicating this now ever since this all happened. Uh, on the you know on the podcast you know we all got together and we you know we've experienced this ourselves we know when we've trained people who've uh, you know I've had clients uh, on uh, who went on house arrest and I've 
worked out myself this way just for fun. I have a gym in the garage and I've tried this out myself. So we knew this could be effective. So we've been communicating this to our audience and the feedback we've been getting has been mind blowing. It's like, you know, I've got messages from men and women who were afraid that they were going to lose strength, you know, gain body fat because of lack of access to equipment. And they're actually telling me that their bodies are actually improving or at the very least they're able to maintain high levels of fitness. So this is a very, very good uh, strategy uh, for at-home uh, fitness at the moment. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'm sure people out there, people listening have seen those memes where it's like before the quarantine, you're, you know, we got all this muscle, well-muscled. And then after the quarantine, it's like you've got cachexia, like you've, you've all shriveled up, your gains have gone out the window. <laughs> Um, so you're saying we can actually do a pretty good job at maintaining whatever level of fitness we've been able to achieve in the gym just by doing these simple, you know, these simple 20 minute, you know, bouts of, of, of exercise at a probably a lower intensity than what we've been accustomed to in the gym. Yeah. Now, now remember intensity is important to manipulate. So it's not like the workouts are just sitting on the couch. You know, you're still going to feel like you're working out. But my point with that is you do want to adjust the intensity. So if you go into, if you're doing this on a daily basis and you go into a day where you feel a little tired, a little sore, lower the intensity. If you feel stronger, more energy, increase the intensity. Manipulate and use the intensity um, as a tool to can. Now, now here's what I am saying, Max. I'm not just saying that you will maintain your fitness. I'm saying a lot of people may actually improve their fitness through following this advice. So, so cool. it's not. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a it's just a substitute. You know, we're not talking about, you know, you, you you went to the grocery store and they ran out of Pepsi, so you had to buy, you know, Safeway Select and it's a it tastes kinda like Pepsi. <laughs> what I'm saying what I'm saying is training this way, if you do it the right way, and I'll I'll give you some more tips because it's what I said is the general outline, but there's there's we gotta get a little deeper. If you do this the right way, not only will you prevent your body from going backwards, not only will you maintain, but many people will actually notice a, an improvement in, in their performance and strength, muscle, and fat loss. So this is actually, for a lot of people, this could be a very good thing. But there's some more detail that goes into it. So if you don't mind, I'll cover some of that. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, one of the most obvious differences between like the home setup and the gym is the fact that you have heavy weights that you can use in the gym that you don't have in the house. So for somebody who's like used to lifting weights, what, how do they translate that to like a home workout where it's going to be predominantly like body weight stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's the big one um, that a lot of people ask. So, um, you know, three years ago, three or four years ago, um, Adam, Justin, uh, and myself sat down to create a new workout program. Now at the time we had created, MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Aesthetic, I think MAPS Performance. These were all, you know, workout programs that you you needed to have a barbell, dumbbells, and, and especially with, with MAPS Aesthetic, you probably wanted to have gym access. So we all sat down and we looked at the whole space and we said, okay, what should we, what should we tackle next? I mean, we tackled the general person who wants to build muscle, burn body fat. We tackled the bodybuilding-inspired person and the athlete. What should we go through next? And so we looked at the whole space and one thing that we realized was that the at-home workout space has the worst workout programs by far, okay? So when you look at workout programs and you analyze them, if I were to take a random powerlifting workout plan or bodybuilding workout plan or Olympic weightlifting workout plan or whatever, and I would look at a whole bunch of them, 
you know, there's going to be a percentage of them that, that are probably not going to be written well, but there's going to be some that are going to be written pretty well. When you look at the at-home workout program market, it's terrible. And part of the reason why it's so bad is that the market that they're advertising to is uh, tends to be less hip to what good training is. The average person who, when we're talking about normal circumstances, who wants a program to work out at home, less experienced typically, they don't want to go to a gym um, or maybe they have less time. So they, they, it's, it's a less informed uh, market and uh, they're also driven uh, almost entirely by motivation. So you tend to find more people who, you know, the up and down, uh, you know, cycle where I'm motivated, I'm going to work out and I don't want to work out because I hate it. And then I want to work out. So what these workout programs typically look like are a mix of or a mishmash of just a bunch of exercises put together. They make them really hard because one way that you can trick people into thinking that they're having a good workout is to make them really sore, breathe really hard, and, and sweat. So like, okay, this is a good workout. By the way, soreness, sweating, and hard are not uh, great indicators of a good workout. Um, you could do that on your own. You could just literally stand in place and do jumping jacks, and you'll accomplish all three of those, and it won't really be a, a, an effective workout. The other thing that they do is they try to entertain. So a lot of these at-home workout programs are like, um, you know, like cowboy urban hip-hop dance class or – you know, boot camp, you know, so-and-so, you know, yelling at you with a you know, bunch of people behind them or whatever. And so these workout programs were terrible. And, and the, other, the, uh, the other reason why they're bad is it requires more creativity. When you don't have equipment, you have to manipulate m- other factors to make the workout effective. You know, if I don't have access to barbells, dumbbells, machines, uh, cables, now I, I rely on less movements. In order to create a good workout, I have to understand tempo, tension, intention, programming where I put the exercises in the order? Am I doing a workout where I'm resting in between sets, which tends to build more strength? Am I doing a workout that is more of a calorie burn, like a circuit? What is the correctional component? It's just, it's just more complex. So I'm going to give you some tips if you're listening right now to help you piece together uh, an at-home workout program that is effective, not just one that's going to make you just you know, uh, sweat and get sore, which, you know, probably better than nothing. I, I don't want to be too, you know, uh, negative. It's probably definitely better than sitting on the couch, but if you want to maximize what you're doing, here's some tips. Hmm. Number one, you should, uh, place a special emphasis at the moment on mobility exercises, mobility exercises aim, uh, at improving your range of motion that you have control and stability over. Okay. So let me explain what that means. So range of motion is just how far you can take a joint uh, through its movements. So like if I, if I have really flexible hamstrings, not only do I have that range of motion, but do I have complete control and stability through that range of motion? So to give you an example of, of the difference, you take a baby, a baby, you could, fl- you could bend their legs and arms in all kinds of different directions, but they're very unstable. They don't have the strength to support themselves and the risk of injury would be high if they were to lift things because they have a wide range of motion without lots of control. Mobility movements done properly aim increasing a range of motion with control and strength. Hmm. Now, why is that a good thing to work on right now? Well, number one, the best mobility movements that exist require zero equipment. They, there's no equipment. So if you go like, for example, if you go on our YouTube channel, Mind Pump TV, you could look up mobility movements like the 90-90 or combat stretch, for example, or you can even just type in you know, mobility movements or priming. Priming is a good word 
Uh, that is a word that we use sometimes to describe mobility movements. And what you'll find are a bunch of different mobility movements for different parts of the body, and they help work on improving that controlled range of motion. Now, why is that beneficial? Well, the obvious is reduces the risk of injury. You have better control over ranges of motion. That's all really nice. And maybe someone's really motivated to hear that and wants to work on that. But here's the other part that gets me excited. We know that if you can do, for example, a full range of motion squat with good control and good stability. In other words, your risk of injury is really low because everything is tight, controlled, nothing is unstable, that that full range of motion squat will build more muscle and indirectly burn more body fat than a half squat will. We know this for a fact. We know for a fact that full ranges of motion done properly with good control and good stability are far more effective and short ranges of motion. This is why trainers always encourage clients, at least good trainers encourage clients to have, you know, good full ranges of motion. But the problem with full ranges of motion, is you have to own that range of motion. So let's say here you are stuck at home right now. Maybe you got another month or two of doing this before you can get to the gym. What a great time to work on mobility, gain those new ranges of motion, gain control over them. Then you go back to the gym and not only do you, do you bounce back, but you surpass where you were before because you were probably limited. More often than not, Max, people are limited. They, they plateau with their progress because their mobility doesn't allow them to move any further. They can't, their body prevents them from getting stronger because their body tenses instability or maybe an injury does that. Or they're just not working with ranges of motion that are maximizing the exercise, uh, you know, the potential of the exercise. The cool thing about mobility, besides the fact that it requires no equipment and it gives you those, those benefits, is mobility is best done frequently. So when I communicate mobility exercise to uh, a person or to a client, I'm not telling them to spend an hour of mobility uh, on mobility work two or three days a week. What I'm typically saying is, hey, do 10 minutes of mobility twice a day if you can or three times a day if you can. So it fits perfectly with what recommended earlier. It fits perfectly and you need zero equipment to do any of that stuff. So number one tip, include mobility movements in your short, frequent workouts that you do throughout the day. All right, here's tip number two. Um, use static tension positions. Use isometrics. So isometrics refers to uh, holding a position with tension. So rather than going through a, a, a range of motion like I'm doing a squat and I'm going up and down. What I would do is I would get down into, let's say, the bottom position of a squat or halfway up and then, and then creating as much tension as I possibly can intrinsically in my legs and in my core and even in my upper body. I'm, I'm staying tense and I'm doing an isometric. Now, studies, you know, isometrics fell out of favor, uh, you know, maybe a, a decade or two ago, maybe even longer with the invention of, of machines and then the widespread use of, of equipment. But if you go back, if you go back to, you know, uh, the early 1900s or even the, even the, up to the 1930s and 40s, strong men, strength athletes and bodybuilders spent a lot of time uh, doing isometrics because they found them to be extremely valuable. And remember, this is before anabolic steroids. This is even before supplements. So these guys and girls did what worked and they placed a lot of value on isometrics and there's lots of studies from the Soviet Union that shows that isometrics generates uh, lots of strength gains can build muscle 
Um, the cool here's the cool thing about isometrics: doesn't damage the muscles nearly as much as traditional resistance training, which means again you could do them frequently. So you can only squat heavy with a barbell so many times before it's just you get you can't do it anymore. Like you know, I wouldn't recommend someone squat with a, with a barbell heavy three times a day every single day. It's going to be too much. But you could definitely throw in isometrics three times a day and get gains because the damage is uh, so low. It also helps you connect to your central nervous system and really develop good stability. And the cool thing about it, again, no equipment required. It's all intrinsic. It's all about intention. And if you think, if you're listening right now and you think, oh, that's easy, <laughs> try it. Like, try getting into a half squat and not just holding the half squat but tensing the entire body in perfect position and perfect form. Try to do that for 10 seconds, then rest for 30 seconds, then try it again and try and do it harder than you did the first time. Do that for a few rounds and you'll see um, exactly what I'm talking about. And the third tip I would say is this. There's a few different ways to make uh, an exercise feel more difficult or to increase the tension on a muscle. One way is to add weight right? So I get stronger in my overhead press. Well, I'm going to add, you know, 10 pounds to it. And now it's heavier again. And then I get stronger and then add another 10 pounds. And that's a great, that's a way to do it. It's a great way to add tension. It's called progressive resistance. That's a fundamental component uh, of successful resistance training. But there's more ways to increase the tension in the muscle that don't require you to add more weight. Um, one of them is to change the tempo of your repetitions. Let's say normally when I do a push-up, it takes me one and a half seconds to go down and one and a half seconds to come up. That's probably the average person's tempo. If you watch someone do push-ups, they, they typically are like up, down, up, down. It looks about, about a second, maybe a second and a half up and down. Try tripling the, 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 how, how, the amount of time it takes you to go down and come up. Try doing three seconds or four seconds or 10 seconds. Try doing a 10-second rep of push-ups where it takes you 10 seconds to lower and 10 seconds to come up. Now you've increased the tension of the push-up without increasing the weight. Um, another way you could do it is just by focusing more on making the exercise difficult. To use the push-up as an example, rather than just pushing my body off the floor, what if I grip the floor, so now, now, that, now, that, now instead of my hands just resting on the floor, I'm going to try and grip the floor. So now I'm creating tension in my wrists and my forearms. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend like I'm screwing my arms into the floor outward. I'm, I'm twisting my hands out. And I'm not actually doing this, by the way. I'm not actually twisting my palms out, but I'm creating that tension. Then what I'm doing is as I lower, I'm creating tension in my chest and imagining my chest squeeze my elbows together as I come up. You're going to do half as many reps when you do it that way because of the tension that you, you created uh, by intention, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to increase the effectiveness of the exercise without needing to add um, any weight on your body. So there's a lot of techniques that you can use and utilize in your workout to make them extremely effective. And you know that, that program I told you about that we created a few years ago, uh, Maps Anywhere is the name of it. When we created that program, of course, we put it out there. And really for us, we're convincing. And so we, you know, talked on the podcast and convinced a lot of people that, hey, you could actually work out without equipment and get great results. It's one, It became one of our more uh, sought-after popular programs. Some of the best, uh, you know, uh, 
feedback we got were from people who were shocked that they could actually work out at home and get, you know, I had trainers tell me that they actually progressed by not using gym equipment, by following a program like that. So it's totally, totally possible. You're not, you're not screwed because you can't go to the gym. There's a lot of things that you could do to, to maximize the effectiveness of your workouts, even if you don't have uh, any equipment. Clearly. Now, in terms of um, like splits, I know you've been on the podcast a few times and you you talked about the value of doing like full body workouts, like during, mm-hmm. for each workout session. What do you recommend under these circumstances? Um, are you still trying to do like your full body every day or do you think like a split can be um, as effective? Yeah, so I don't recommend splits, um, especially when you're working out at home. The way that uh, we, we, for example, designed our program is you are training your whole body five days a week, but the workouts are very different. So some days the workouts are more like resistance training type workouts where the goal is to send a signal to the body to build muscle, build strength, speed up the metabolism, you know, all the wonderful benefits of resistance training that I've, I've been on your show and preached about, uh, you know, a couple times. But then we have workouts in between that are more around conditioning, more around calorie burn that might look a little bit more like the classic circuit type training. Although the exercises that we pieced together were not haphazard, we made sure that there was a, a beneficial rhyme and reason. I also recommend, you know, uh, doing mobility work um, most days, mobility work, you can, you can spend 10 minutes, five minutes doing one movement, um, at the beginning of your workout. Mobility is really good to do before you go into your workout. Um, you know, when you do it that way, we call it priming and the benefits of, of mobility before your workouts are, in my opinion, better than just doing mobility on its own for, for many cases. Uh, because what you end up doing, I'll give you an example, Max, just to illustrate. So let's say, um, Let's say you have a common posture deviation uh, known as forward shoulder. Uh, forward shoulder, it looks exactly as it sounds. It's the classic, you know, shoulders rolled forward. We tend to get that a lot nowadays because people work on their computers and they're on their cell phones. And, you know, that posture deviation can cause tension in the neck. It can cause shoulder pain. And, you know, it, it generally just isn't a uh, beneficial body. It's not a very efficient way of, of carrying your body. But, we're, you know, we tend to be molded to the activities that we do all day. So let's say that's, your, that's your, your, one of your imbalances, if you will. Okay, now you're going to go into your workout. Well, if that's your, if that's your specific postural deviation, then your priming session or your mobility movement is going to be on working on giving you better posture. So what I may do with someone like that, is I may do a movement uh, called Prone Cobra. Uh, You can find that on our YouTube channel, by the way. Prone Cobra works on bringing the shoulder blades back and down, activating that that mid-back musculature that that helps reinforce good posture. I may do some shoulder mobility movements. Uh, Another one is called handcuffs with rotation, just to move the shoulders and activate muscles um, and ranges of motion in, in full ranges of motion. Now that I've done that, when I go into my, my workout, now I can connect to and feel what better posture feels like. And now I'm more likely to do the exercises properly, which will give me better results because it actually allows me to, to get more of the potential of that exercise. If you move properly 
exercises have more potential for you than if you move improperly. And what it does is it helps prevent me from strengthening a poor uh, movement pattern or a posture deviation. So again, to use the same example example of forward shoulder, if I don't do any good priming, uh, and I don't, and I, so I'm not aware of that of the, of the posture. I'm not quite aware of putting myself in good position. And then I do a bunch of, you know, pull-ups and bench presses and other exercises. What's going to end up happening is I'm I'm going to end up moving in a, or I'm more likely to move in a way that's not beneficial. And now mm. that I'm strengthening my body through bad movement patterns, I actually strengthen my bad movement patterns. And that makes it much harder to fix and it, and it dramatically increases your risk of injury. And this is when you go to the gym and we've all seen that guy who he's, you know, muscular, but his shoulders are rolled forward. His arms are kind of out. He's just kind of moving like, you know, classic meathead. What you see there is somebody who's built an armor of muscle and strength around poor movement patterns. That same guy goes to the park, throws a Frisbee or bends over to pick up a, a shampoo bottle and twists the wrong way and hurts themselves. Oh. And believe it or not, it's far more common than you, than you realize. I've, I've worked with these people. Yeah, I used to uh, just go right into doing pull-ups and I would often find, not always, but I would very frequently like tweak something in my neck where for three days I wouldn't be able to turn you know, mm. into, a, into a particular direction. But then I've started integrating warm-ups and foam rolling of my upper back um, before hitting like the pull exercises, like the pull-downs and, and pull-ups yes. and things like that. And uh, the, the, my, the incidence of that I don't know what is, you know, I don't know. I don't have the, the vernacular to, to accurately describe what, what I was doing to myself, but, uh, I definitely, it's become like far less frequent since I've started yes. like, working mobility stuff into my, into my workouts. Yeah. So foam rolling, um, what foam rolling does is it's very similar to what you would get with a uh, deep tissue massage. When you foam roll, when, when you apply pressure to a muscle, to a tight muscle in particular, I mean, you're foam rolling, tight areas of your body, right? I'm assuming you're not foam rolling areas you don't have issues with, although you can do that. But when you when you foam roll on a muscle that feels tight, what it does, because here's, here's why you have tightness to begin with. Like if I stretch my hamstrings for 30 minutes, I'm going to get more flexible within that 30 mi- uh, minute period of time. We know this, right? You, go, you stretch, stretch, stretch. Oh, look, I can, you know, I've got 30, you know, I've got three more inches of range of motion in my hamstrings. What you What you're not doing is making your muscles longer. You didn't make your muscles longer. All you're doing is you're telling the central nervous system to relax a little bit. That's that's what controls whether or not muscles are tight or loose or stable or how they fire. It's all about your central nervous system. So foam rolling, when you're applying, it's like when you have a knot in your neck, you know, when you have one of those like really tight knots and then someone yeah. goes over and puts their elbow in it and they smash down on it and then you feel it release. Like, oh, it's gone now. I feel so much better. What you're doing is you're sending a signal to the central nervous system that says relax, relax. So that knot, which which was your CNS, your central nervous system, telling those muscle fibers to be in a partial state of tonus, to be slightly tensed by pressing on it, which and the reason why it feels good is as you're pressing on it, the CNS is getting the signal and it, it kind of release releases and relaxes. And now it's not sending the same signal uh, to that muscle. So foam rolling will do that. So if you have tight muscles that are making you move in ways that are are making you more injury prone like you, for example, like you're doing pull-ups and you're getting, you're tweaking your neck. You were probably moving in a way subtly in a way that, that increased the risk of that foam rolling 
told some of those muscles that were maybe overactive or a little tight to chill out a little bit. So now your form is better. That's actually the, the, the proper way to use a foam roller, by the way. Um, foam rollers temporarily do alleviate pain, but you have to uh, you have to follow up with correctional exercise to solidify, you know, what you just did. Because if you just if you just you know tell the central nervous system to relax on a muscle, but don't create new patterns to prevent that from happening in the first place, then you're always going to have. It's like going to a massage therapist for a tight neck. If you never fix what makes your neck tight in the first place, you're going to have a weekly appointment with them every single week uh, to address the issue. So that's yep. that's what's happening with the with the foam roller. That's why you've, I think you've you've gotten benefit from it. Yeah, I think I mean they're you know they're pretty rudimentary devices but that being said I think it's a great $25 investment especially now to just have one in your house to foam roll while you're watching TV on the carpet I mean to spend more time on the floor to be you know doing that self massage when you can as opposed to just sitting on the couch and the I love the emphasis on mobility because especially now we're spending more time like in in our homes like you know like our range of motion our just movement in general has become so constrained I mean personally I've been like you know there are long spans of time where I'll literally have moved from the couch to the kitchen to the dining room table and back to the couch <laughs> you know and so the movement patterns that I'm that I know that I'm setting myself up for I think this is going to be you guys need to cover this on your podcast because by the when the gyms finally reopen there are going to be so many injuries if people are not doing if people are not following your advice and focusing on mobility Oh yeah, yeah, we've done uh, several episodes now dedicated. Exactly. I mean, what we're what we're trying to do right now, you know, as trainers, because all of us train people for for two decades, and you know, the the passion that makes you to be a trainer and do it that long, because it's not an easy job. Uh, but why you do it that long is because you truly want you have a passion for helping people. So now, you know, all of us are not really training too many people anymore, or no people at all. We have this podcast. We have this media company produce, you know, workout videos and workout programs, stuff like that. And we're looking at what's happening right now, you know, in, in the world. And we, you know, we, we had meetings and we said, okay, how can we best help people with what we know uh, to do with, with our expertise? And so we've tried to do a couple different things. One is we try to keep the, the mood on the podcast light. You know, we have an entertaining component to the show anyway, and we're trying to keep it light because I think there's enough scary, uncertain, you know, news and stuff out there. So that's number one. Number two, we're really communicating to the to the current circumstances. So we've done dedicated episodes to exactly, you know, around what I'm talking about with you right now. You know, like breaking up your workouts, how to design uh, the right workout. Um, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, nutrition, you know, how to work with, uh, you know, nutrition because we, we work with nutrition a lot from a behavioral standpoint because that's what we found to be very successful with our clients. And then we took the programs that we thought, because we have a lot of pro, we have about 12, I think, or 13 programs, but we took the ones that, uh, you know, that require no equipment and we put them all half off. So, you know, Maps Anywhere, Prime and Prime Pro, those are the, the correct exercise ones. We put them in. So what we're trying to do is really help people with the current context of, of what's going on. And, you know, we're getting good feedback, but I do think it's our responsibility in the, in the fitness and health space to, to do what we do best, which is to support people and get them to, to make the best of what's of, of, of kind of a weird, you know, it's a, what a weird time, you know, so it's unprecedented. 
Yeah, it's insane. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. So we, I, well, just to recap, we've talked about um, what people can can do at home. The emphasis on mobility, as I mentioned, I think that's super super crucial. Isometrics and static tension, static holds. Yeah, you know whether it's squats or push ups, like you know because we can't add weight, um, making your exercises more difficult by you know the static tension. I think that's great. And then the third tip that you that you offered was to just change up your exercises you know mm. um so this is all really good stuff but uh i think a question that um well a question that i've been asked a bit on on my instagram is how to stay um motivated mm. during these times and you kind of you kind of touched on this earlier you know in the chat that motivation is sort of like a fair weather friend it's not something that like the pros really rely on because it, it can be so fleeting um, yeah. personally, I find myself very motivated when I go to the gym, just willing myself to a gym motivates me enough because the music is like, you know, motivating. It's like, you see all these inspiring bodies in the gym. You've taken the effort to like get to the gym. Um, but like in the, in the house, I just feel, um, you know, I feel like the motivation is like, it's diminished. So yeah. what are some tips that you have for people who are kind of feeling the same way? Well, first off, that's totally normal uh, to feel that way. I think everybody's, uh, you know, experiencing that. But I'll tell you what, you know, here's the problem with motivation. Uh, it waxes and wanes. Okay, so relying on motivation from a, a fitness standpoint is going to result in consistency and then non-consistency. It's going to look like the yo-yo diet, you know, where I'm really motivated. I'm at the gym. I'm watching everything I eat. I'm doing great. And then uh, my motivation is down. Now I don't want to do any of it, and you get this up and down, and and so that's what happens with uh, w when you rely on motivation. So number one, realize that it's going to wax and wane. And by the way, I've never had to convince a client to work out when they were motivated. I've never had to convince a client to eat healthy when they were motivated. <laughs> Motiv when motivation hits, it's great. Okay, there's nothing wrong with it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with motivation. It's when the motivation goes away that we have a problem. So what I would recommend, what I used to teach my clients was not to fall in love with motivation. Like enjoy it while it's there. It's great to take advantage of, but fall in love with discipline. Okay. It's a totally, totally different mentality. Discipline says I'm going to be active regardless. Like doesn't, if I'm motivated or not, I'm going to do it. Now, if you think of all the things that you do consistently on a daily basis that you're most consistent with, like brushing your teeth and taking a shower, uh, you don't need motivation to do those things. Like I wake up in the morning, like, oh my God, I'm so motivated. I just do it because it's, it's kind of what I do. So think of it as discipline. Here's the other thing you, you want to consider. Um, when you're feeling low or you're not feeling the energy, the drive, the, you know, as we said, motivation to exercise, it's okay to work out with a lower intensity. It's okay to focus on stretching or just doing mobility or maybe working out a little bit shorter. Totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you want to focus on the consistency and discipline. That's the absolute most uh, important thing. So one, believe it or not, in my experience, it's easier to be disciplined when you work out with shorter bouts and frequently throughout the day than it is to get motivated to do one long workout. So like I recommended at the early at the beginning of this podcast, rather than doing one hour workout a day, do three 20 minute workouts 
what you'll find is those three 20 minute workouts become more consistent because it's just a, Oh, it's 12 o'clock time to do my 20 minute, whatever. Oh, it's, you know, it's PM time versus like, Oh, I got to get, I got to get the drive to do a whole hour of a workout. It's just much, it's just much easier. It's like, uh, it's like taking your dog for a walk three times a day to have him go to the bathroom versus going for a long one hour walk every single day. It's much more manageable, but really fall in love with the discipline. And I'll say this too, especially right now, um, be kind to yourself. I think if you do miss a day or two or a week of being active, uh, rather than beating yourself up, self up over the fact that you missed the whole week, which only adds a layer of negativity to something. It only adds a whole nother layer. Just forgive yourself, be kind to yourself, and realize that every minute is an opportunity to do something different. So it's like, okay, you know, I didn't do it yesterday. Uh, it was really, really tough. I didn't feel like it. I just didn't get to, you know what? I'm going to just kind of do it. I'm just going to do it right now, even though I don't have the energy I'm going to do because right now is another opportunity. And just find that the discipline versus the motivation because the motivation will come back. Right now, you might, you're not feeling very motivated, but it, it's, an, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's that old friend that comes and goes when it wants. And when it comes, it's going to be great. You don't have to worry about anything. But right now is the time for, for, for structure and for discipline because uh, motivation is probably running low, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Such great advice. Um, yeah, I love that. Are you guys, in terms of nutrition, how are you handling this? I mean, oh. with, like, what's your, are you trying, because, you know, I mean, one of the things about like leaving the house less, that, at least that I've noticed is that my non-exercise physical activity has completely dove off a cliff. You know, like yeah. if you were to look at my steps counter on my iPhone, it went from like, I don't know, six to 10,000 steps a day to, <laughs> I mean, I'm scared to look, to be totally honest. Like, I'd be lucky if I'm getting a thousand steps, maybe not even like 500 steps. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, we're moving a lot less. That non-exercise uh, activity thermogenesis is probably pretty, yeah. pretty constrained at this point. So how are you eating in a way to support, you know, your your body composition and your fitness goals? Well, first off, it's probably not, this is probably not the best time uh, to try to eat in a way to accomplish like fat loss goals or like I don't recommend people eat in a way right now to really tackle like hardcore uh, fitness goals. Probably not the best time, right? I would say right now you, you probably want to just maintain your health and take care of yourself uh, with food. I mean, I recommend this most of the time anyway, but especially right now. So what I mean by that is, you know, and this is coming from a behavioral standpoint, okay? You want to understand the full value that food can provide to you. Now, the, the main value that food provides you is it, it's got, it, it nourishes your body and you could, it could benefit you on a physiological level. It could be healthy for you. But there is a little bit of value, and this is less often uh, than not, but there is a little bit of value to the, 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 the hedonistic value of food. Or that you might like, I'll give you an example, Max. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I have dual custody with my kids. So one week they're with me, one week they're mom. And it's been kind of tough. And I didn't see them for three weeks because I was actually sick with all the scary symptoms. Uh, no confirmation whether or not I had, you know, the virus that's out going around. But I played it safe. And so I didn't see my kids for like three weeks, right? So I got them back. I was with them and they're not in school. They're doing the whole at home learning thing. And, you know, I thought, let's spend some time together baking cookies. Like cookies aren't healthy, you know, they're not fit, like classically healthy, but the time we spent together and the enjoyment of making it and then the enjoyment and fun of eating the cookies together 
having good conversation, that definitely benefited my health in different ways. So I think understand that right now. And the reason why I'm saying that is because now if you're the person that eats, eats terrible all the time, I'm not talking to you, but if you're that person that's kind of beating yourself up right now because you're not as on point as you normally are, understand that food can give us some other values and, and be kind to yourself uh, you know, with that. Um, so try to maintain rather than lose tons of body fat. Now, unless you're really, really overweight, in which case it's a good idea, probably going to benefit you. But it's probably not a good idea to go super calorie deficit. It's not good for your metabolism. If your stress is high, not a great idea. And it's not good for your immune system to go super, super low calorie uh, either, unless you're, you're really overweight, in which case it's probably it might be a good idea. So maintain, look at the full value of food. Here's the other thing. We're, 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 we're probably next to food more readily and, and more often than we ever have been. We're at home. So the fridge is right there. The pantry is right there. Um, we're more likely to buy processed food right now. Um, understandably, processed food has a long shelf life. And I think a lot of people are trying to limit their, their, uh, their trips to the grocery store. Um, I don't know what it looks like down there in LA, but up here, I, you know, a 30 minute grocery store trip is like, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. I got to, you know, there's, they let only see, you know, I have to be six feet away from each other. Only so many people in the store, everything's wiped, you know, wiped down. It's kind of a weird environment. Then you come home and then you, you know, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac to begin with. So you can only imagine how challenging this is for me. I'm wiping everything down. And so I'm like, I don't want to go to the gro- I used to go to the grocery store every single day to get all my, you know, my food. I'm trying to limit my, my exposure out there and, and trying. So processed food is, is a little bit more valuable at the moment because I can buy a box of something and I can store it. Um, so if you're making those choices because of the current circumstances, you can still make better choices, right? So you could still, rather than grabbing, you know, the, the, the really, really super unhealthy processed food, maybe grab Nuts, they have a long shelf life. You could grab, uh, you know, jerky, really good beef jerky. That's got a longer shelf life. If you are buying things in boxes, you could, you know, pay attention to the calories and the ingredients and make sure that they're maybe, uh, you know, more whole food based. Uh, you know, do that as well. Of course, food like rice uh, have a long shelf life. You could buy meat and freeze it, which will give it a long shelf life. And then the other thing you can do is to kind of give you some uh, some uh, some barriers between you and the processed food to give you some time to to stop what what can tend to happen, which is the compulsive type eating. So if I'm going to buy, for example, uh, like I just said, you know, nuts, for example, you buy some peanuts, you like peanuts or or some uh, macadamia nuts, rather than keeping the whole jar in the pantry, what I'll do is I'll measure out a half an ounce or an ounce. And I'll divide it up and put it into small baggies. And so now when I want to snack, uh, I go reach up and I grab a little baggie, which has been pre-measured out of an ounce of nuts. Now I eat those nuts. And if I want more, there's another, I have to make another choice. I have to choose again to get up, grab another baggie, which I could definitely do. I'm, you know, I'm sure that, you know, that I could still go up and eat them all if I want at the same time. But what it does is it, it, it gives me an opportunity to ask myself, do I really want more? Is this, uh, you know, is this compulsive? Um, am I actually satiated? Because sometimes we don't even realize we're satiated when we're just, especially if we're eating in front of the TV. That's another thing. I would say limit the distracted eating. Uh, studies will show that when you're distracted, you're far less likely to read your body signals of 
of satiety. We tend to just eat kind of mindlessly. So those are just a few tips I would say, uh, you know, that, that can kind of, you know, help out with the, with the nutrition, uh, in terms of, you know, preventing the, the massive potential weight gain and all that stuff that we're, uh, we're probably going to start seeing. Yeah. Let's go. I want to go through, I want, I want you to list them and then I want to list mine, but your five, um, top quarantine food staples. <laughs> they they, they could be processed processed foods or whatever, but like, what are the top five things that like when you make that once a week now trip to the supermarket? Like, what are the what are the top five things that you're going for? Well, I love nuts. Okay, so now nuts are high calorie, but they're also uh, are they raw? Healthy. Are they roasted or or what? Um, I can get either raws, you know, probably better, but I do like the taste of roasted uh, nuts. I like roasted um, uh, macadamia nuts, uh, you know, almonds, walnuts. So nuts are my favorite and I'll have a variety of them. And then if I do find that I'm doing the whole compulsive eating thing where I'll eat a whole jar, <laughs> I do like to break it up uh, into, you know, into, into smaller baggies. I do like um, jerky a lot. Uh, it's lean protein. Protein is more, uh, it's, there's, it's got a higher satiety potential than other foods, meaning you're, you're less likely to overeat uh, lean protein than you are carbohydrates uh, or even fats. So that's a, a great option. I do like fruit. Uh, the problem with fruit is that it's uh, it's perishable. So one thing you could do is you could buy berries and freeze them. Those are an excellent snack. Frozen berries are are really really tasty. And for that, you know, here's another. This might be a weird one, but I like to eat frozen peas uh, a lot. I think they're really tasty. Actually, my daughter showed me that. I went to go make some peas the other day, and she's like, "I like them out of the bag." And she started like, "This is a kind of a a good snack." That's a new um, one. Yeah. Um, oh, here's here's a good processed food. A, a company that we're sponsored by, uh, Magic Spoon, makes this cereal that's uh, uh, high protein, low sugar. It's I mean, it's like kids cereal. So you could do that. You could overdo that too. I'm sure you could eat a whole box, but it's a uh, it's better um, than your typical, you know, cereal. So I'm trying to think what else um, I like to do. Um, dried food has uh, dried fruit has a shelf life. You can easily overdo that as well, but it's better than candy. Um, and I get the dried fruit that doesn't that they don't cover in, in sugar, um, so I'll, I can do a little bit of that. So I, I think that kind of narrows it down for me. Yeah, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my five, and then I want you to rate them on how on how sound <laughs> they are. <laughs> okay, so for one, I definitely uh, whenever I go to the supermarket, I'm buying. I like to get like a like a flavored sparkling water. I'm big on like the oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the flavored sparkling waters, and I'll tell you why because it just breaks the monotony of like drinking water. And I know it's in a can, and all you know these cans are coated with these like you know, interior plastic compounds and whatever, like the, the, the dopamine has become so, uh, low, <laughs> like these <Yeah>. days, <laughs> um, that, you know, you just like, you gotta get, you know, you gotta get it from where you can. And so like, I'll, you know, like I'll, I'll stock up on like these like flavored seltzers and I have a lot, actually, here's a really good tip. So I'll buy like a, like a, like a whole foods brand orange seltzer, zero calories. And then I have like a dropper of vanilla stevia. And oh, yeah. I'll like crack it open, and I'll put a few drops of the vanilla stevia into the into the flavored sparkling water, and you get this like delicious soda, basically with no calories. So oh, it's like a nice, yeah, it's like a nice little zero calorie treat, and it breaks the freaking monotony of the day. Um, so that's one. Number two, I love. I'm I'm always going to get uh, like a good beef jerky. So I couldn't agree with you more there. I was actually going to ask you your thoughts on keeping protein up during this time. Like, are you still trying to like keep protein up to make sure that you're not 
you know, wasting muscle? Cause that's, you know, that's been, that's always a priority for me generally is to prioritize protein. Yeah. Protein's got a very protective effect on, on, uh, muscle mass. Um, so the range that you want to stay in because, uh, some fitness, uh, companies, especially ones that sell lots of protein powders will have you believing that you need to eat like insane amounts of protein. Uh, studies are pretty consistent with this. Uh, 0.6 to roughly one gram of protein per pound of body weight. If you're a relatively, you know, let's say you're a normal uh, body weight individual. If you're if you're obese, then you probably want to go off your lean body mass. So you want to subtract your, your body fat weight off that. But it's about 0.6 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you're a, if you're a you know 150 pound male, that's like 120, you know, 120 grams of protein is white, right in that range. And that amount of protein uh, preserves be- more muscle, hmm. tends to, uh, it's, it's, you lose more body fat if you're in a deficit uh, with a high-protein diet. And it uh, does promote more satiety. You do eat less when your protein is higher. They show that uh, in studies. So I do, yeah, I do recommend keeping protein high, uh, especially right now. Yeah, love that. All right, so beef jerky. I'm always I'm always loading up on the beef jerky. I also would say the fruit, whole fruit. I've been like just going to town on the Honeycrisp apples and the Sumo oranges that are just like mm-hmm. amazing. Sumo oranges are like God. They're like a, a godsend. They're so easy to peel. They're so tasty. Um, I would say grass fed beef. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to get. I'm I, I'm always loading up on grass fed beef. I'm freezing what I'm not using. Um, Super, super, uh, super help, healthy, nutrient dense. You know, you could do a billion things with it. Um, and then what else do I routinely get? I would say my fifth would be uh, dark chocolate. You know, just oh. off the top, off the top of my head. Oh yeah, dark chocolate. Uh, uh, Doug is a huge fan. Whenever we travel, uh, Doug always brings a bar of uh, dark chocolate <laughs> with him. It's, it's actually pretty funny, but it's it it's it's tasty, less sugar, and it, it does give you. Uh, I know there's some feel good chemicals in dark chocolate that can make you feel, uh, you know, a little bit better, which probably right now is a, it's you know more beneficial than it usually is. Yeah. Also, t- um, these are sort of like bonuses, but I think having a good herbal tea and maybe a decaf coffee, like instant coffee in the house. It gives you something to do. At least for me, that's been that's one of the hardest things about this is that when I'm bored, I tend to want to go to the kitchen and like eat something, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so like even something as simple as like going and putting boiling water up and then like making a tea and maybe putting some extra goodies in that tea, like maybe like a collagen powder or like a you know whatever, like low calorie things to kind of just put your mind to. Um, and consume to me have been really helpful in all this. Yeah. One more thing too, um, Max, I think is, uh, for me at least that, you know, that I, uh, I've taken advantage of is, you know, I'm, I'm home more often, um, now and, and for longer periods of time. And so we're actually, you know, having, spending more time cooking, whereas normally I, I have to cook and I have to be a little fast with my meal prep or whatever, taking our time, uh, enjoying the time with my wife, putting, you know, things together, um, I've been getting messages from people who are who are doing the same thing where they're like, you know, uh, spending, you know, an hour or two hours on cooking a meal where normally I didn't have that time has really been uh, beneficial. It's fun. It puts you in the moment, you know, kind of helps you forget, you know, so the craziness that's going on. And then if you if you have anybody at your house with you doing it together, what a great way 
uh, to bond. So that, that's something I've been doing more than I than I normally do, and I've really found a lot of value in it. Yeah, it's awesome. What was the last thing that you cooked? The last thing that I cooked, we made a uh, the short rib uh, dish in the uh, crock pot. Oh, so we man. prepped. Yeah, it's really good. Fell right off the bone. Damn, sounds so good. Well, we're yeah. just we're just about out of time, man. Uh, just want to thank you for hopping on. You are my you are my personal fitness Jesus. So, <laughs> thank you. I really I really appreciate. It. We we love. I mean, you know, we love you, Max. You're 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 one of the best people um, in in the in the health space. I really like seeing your popularity increase. We need more people like you, man. I mean, you're 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 saying the right stuff. You're a good person. You know, for your audience, I'll tell you what, you know, if, I know you probably already love Max. You listen to his podcast. I know the guy personally. He's even better in person. He's, a, he's such a great, nice dude. Um, so just happy to see your success. And, you know, I, I, you know, we're doing good stuff right now, man. This is the time for us to help people more uh, than I think we ever have. It's, it's weird times, right? Really, really strange. Yeah, super strange. But I think that the silver lining in all this um actually i'd be curious to hear your thoughts like i I feel like that would be a good closing uh, good you know point to close on but at least from my standpoint i think it's really it's obviously the situation is bad right like there's no doubt Mm -hmm. that people are dying it's very it's sad it's terrible people are losing money but if if there were to be a potential silver lining in all this i think that it's really going to put the focus really on individual health and to get people to think more about um you know there's that that great quote you know the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining and fixing the roof getting people to think about their health and their well-being and um in a way that really hasn't you know like there really hasn't been such a strong impetus on a global level to do that at least in in my lifetime so yeah i i'll tell you what i've seen i've seen uh, i've seen more people walking with their kids outside than I've ever seen. My, I talk to my neighbors almost daily now. I never talk to them. We never talked before. Now when I go outside and I go for a walk, it's like people want human contact. I think we're all realizing just how much we took for granted. You know, I, I was talking to the guys and I said, you know, as soon as things lift and everybody's comfortable to go out again. And, you know, when I go to a restaurant with, with my wife, I and rather than just me and her being there with a bunch of strangers around me, I'm really going to, want to talk to people around me. I'm going to want to hug people. I'm going to want to connect with people. I think that this is kind of reminding us, you know, of, of all that important stuff. I've, I've seen, you know, I go to the grocery store, for example, and I'm buying meat. I see four people thanking the butcher for working or thanking the kid who's pulling in the, you know, the, 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 the baskets or whatever from outside. Like I never saw that before. Um, so I think, uh, you know, sometimes we get reminded, you know, what it, you know, what it reminds me of Max, I don't know if you remember after you're 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 younger than I am, but you know after September 11th, I remember how much everybody kind of came together because we were all scared. I, th- I I'm starting to feel that with this, and you know I hope it lasts. You know I hope it lasts. I hope people realize kind of the, some of the stuff they took for granted and how much they really need to be around each other and be nice to each other and how much we value, you know, uh, people working and stuff like that. So I can already see that. That's that's the silver lining that I see. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm jonesing for like just being out and talking to people and totally. You know, like the 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 physical connection. You know, I mean, I feel I feel socially connected still to all of my my friends. You know, obviously you and I text all the time, and like I'm connected with my community here in LA. But um, but yeah, I mean, like the physical 
touch. I feel like it's been described as uh, touch hunger, you know, just like we're social animals, you know, like if we're not meant to be um, sealed away from one another like this. So there are definitely some psychological repercussions that are going to, I think, emerge um, in the coming weeks. But um, I guess time will tell. Uh, Yep. Anyway. Sal, dude, so great to uh, to have you on and to chat with you. Where can listeners find you on the internet? Okay, so uh, the podcast is Mind Pump. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Mind Pump Sal. And then I mentioned a few exercises and movements that you could do. I, the YouTube channel is Mind Pump TV. All, all the content on there is totally free. And if you want to read more free information we have uh, guides on like how to work your legs and or work your arms or you know how to get a better squat stuff like that uh go to mindpumpfree.com love that well thank you so much for your time to all you guys out there in podcast land thank you so much for tuning into this special covid19 bonus edition of the genius life text me to let me know what you thought about this episode was it helpful to you do you have any questions you can text those those uh those notes Um, If you live in the U.S. or Canada, to 310-299-9401. Thank you, guys, and I will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you.